One Sunday, a rural preacher out in Montana decided to skip church. Decided he wanted to do some deer hunting, so he grabbed his rifle and grabbed his supplies and headed up into the mountains. When he was making a turn on a really treacherous, treacherous mountain trail, he got a big surprise as he rounded the corner there. Standing before him was a large, ferocious bear. So startled, he kind of jumped and in fact fell off the trail, tumbled down the side of the mountain. His rifle went one direction, he went another direction, all the way to the bottom where he landed and ended up with two broken legs. Now for the bad news. The bad news is, there he was immobilized at the bottom of the mountain, and he looked up and saw from a distance this ferocious bear was charging at him full speed. Now, he felt guilty, obviously, that he had been out there instead of being in the pulpit where he belonged, being at church and all of that, and so he prayed, Dear Lord, I know I should have been at church this morning, but I pray, Father, that you will grant me one request I pray, dear Lord, that you will make this bear a Christian bear. And right then, a miracle occurred. This bear came skidding to a halt right at the feet of the preacher. He stopped. He put his big bear paws together. And he began to pray out loud. He said, dear Lord, thank you for the meal that I'm about to enjoy. I think that preacher learned kind of the hard way that there is a cost to skipping to church. <laughs> I came across an email recently, and this is nobody you know, nobody from Dallas, but a young college student who was headed off, and, and she wrote this email. She said, I'm not going to church, so it's just me and my relationship with God while I'm here. But that's slowly been strengthening kind of on my own terms, which really works for me. I'm working on making my relationship less about me and more about God. And I saw that email and I thought, you know, those, those thoughts, they sound reasonable, they sound plausible. I think a lot of people would see that and think, wow, what a, what a mature young person, what a spiritually minded young person. And then I thought, you know, we live in a time where the, for the first time in centuries, this idea is plausible to a lot of people. The idea that you can be a Christian and not be a part of a church. I mean, really, since the first century, this is the first time that that idea is actually like, yeah, of course, do Christianity without being part of a church. And it's, it's funny, really, when you think about it, because it has never been as easy as it is today for us to be a part of our ch a church. I mean, you've got all sorts of worship times that you can choose from. Most all of us have an easy mode of transportation, a way to get to church. But, but yet more and more people are just saying no thanks, opting out of church. Apathy toward the church has grown, even hostility in some circles toward the church has grown, and there are a lot of reasons, and we won't spend all morning talking about those, but there are a lot of reasons that people have checked out on church. Certainly, 
Uh, one of the things that we've heard about, everyone has heard about, has been like the high, highly publicized scandals uh, on the nightly news even about Catholic church leaders and abuses that have taken place. And then there are more personal, private struggles that... Uh, abuses and, and, and hurts that people have endured sometimes at, at the hands of, of religious leaders or religious people. But not all of the reasons for this cultural change are so dark as those. I think the rise of the internet, right? The fact that you can listen to your favorite worship music online. You can tune in to the podcast of your favorite pastor preacher uh, on your schedule on your own terms has made it very easy to kind of do virtual church to kind of make your uh, spiritual journey very private and very personal and, and tailor-made to your desires I mean why go to some church you know where you may not like everybody and where the preacher may go a little long and the coffee is tepid and the seats not comfortable when you can have your own experience of Christianity on your own terms then there's the Bible. And the Bible tells us that church is not only part of God's plan, it is His plan. It's the way He is working in our world. In fact, the New Testament is written to local churches. It's written to the Colossians, the Ephesians, the Romans, the Philippians. It's written to local churches. And the church was built for Christ, by Christ, and on Christ. And as we'll see in our text this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the church, according to the Bible, the church is the body of Christ. And so the attempt to take Jesus seriously without being part of the church, that's just silly. That's just silly. Now, what I want to do is not just wag my finger at you and tell you church is important because I'm preaching the choir. You guys are here on a Sunday morning, right? But why don't we explore some of the reasons why people have kind of gotten turned off on church. And some of those, I believe, are, are the fault of the church itself as we've kind of tried to rebrand and, and be secret sensitive or really kind of attract people you know, to our gatherings and things. So some of it's our fault. Um, but kind of talk about that and then get into the text and see why, again, is it important that I belong to a community of believers. The Blow It Up series, we've been taking on some lies, some deceptions, some things that sound alluring, sound true, truthy, let's say, but that are really false and really hold us back. And so today, we'll start out with the lie. Here it is on your outline. The lie is this. I can have a relationship with God without having one with His church. So in a nutshell... Church is optional. Right. Now, there are plenty of places, plenty of places we could go in the New Testament to blow that up, right? But we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning. And we're going to find from Paul that church is not something that believers can opt into or opt out of. It's not a way that you accessorize your faith. Church is fundamental to following Jesus. He tells those folks in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, he says, All of you together are Christ's body, and each one of you is a part of it. You're all part of Christ's body. You're all part of the church. So why are people so turned off on church? Well, I'm just going to explore with you uh, 
a few of the, let's call them distorted images, warped images that people have of what church is or maybe what church is supposed to be. These are not biblical, but these are some of the ideas people have about church. Like some people see church as, as Cinemark, right? I mean, Cinemark, it's a movie theater. It's a place that you go to kind of escape the troubles of your life. A place that you go to be entertained and kept comfortable. And some people, you can see the problem with that, right? It really breaks down quickly when the, the worship set or the preacher or the, the experience in some way is no longer garnering your five-star Yelp review. You're going to go find another one. Or you're just not going to go at all. Or maybe instead of a, 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 of a, of a Cinemark, it's more like a Costco. <laughs> A Costco is, is, you know, you load up the family and you go to a Costco for quality goods and services, for some quality stuff, some quality products and programming. And so a lot of people, I think, see church uh, like that, like a Costco, but hey, if there's another big box retail church on the other side of town, uh, a little closer to home or offers better products, then naturally you'll go there. Or then there's the idea of church as a, as a CVS, as a sort of spiritual pharmacy. Life is hard. We've all got hurts and aches and pains, and church is the place you go to get your spiritual prescription filled so you don't, you don't hurt as much. Or then there's the view of church as a convenience store. What do you do at a convenience store or at a Chevron station? You go to fill up your tank. You're running on empty. It's time to go fill up the tank. And that's pretty much what a lot of people would describe that they're looking for when it comes to, to church. And finally, I would say that some see church as a country club. A country club. A country club is, is a place where you hang out with people that kind of look like you, that kind of think like you do. A country club is, is very interested in keeping uh, the right people in and the wrong people out. No, don't, don't get me wrong. A country club approach to church may want to do good in the community. Let's help people, but let's make sure those people don't end up inside our club. I mean, we wouldn't, we wouldn't want that. And so they're very interested, like I said, in keeping the right people in and the wrong people out. And those, I think you would agree, are all distorted images of the church. Those are not what we read about in the scriptures or what we heard Dino talking about this morning with what's happening in Athens. The upshot of all of that, though, is because of those distorted images and what's happened in our culture, church for the first time is seen as being something optional, something that you may or may not want to be a part of, or I'm going to worship online, I'm going to worship virtually, or you've got more and more people that avoid church and believe avoiding church is going to help them grow spiritually. But that's the best approach for their walk with the Lord. Now, I'm, I'm sorry if you've been hurt. If you have a personal experience... and you've been wounded by a church experience, I am really sorry. And I would ask you to give church a second chance, a third chance, fourth chance. It's God's will for you. It's a place that he wants to use to bless you, to challenge you, and to grow his kingdom. 
Now, at Preston Crest, we're not a perfect church, but we are committed to the simple idea of just being the church with Jesus as a head, loving each other, doing good together as we serve the mission of God, listening to the voice of our God through the Holy Scriptures. And so this gets us to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul will, sh- will share with us a metaphor, his, his image, his picture of the church. It's very different from those others. Um, and his, his metaphor for the church is like a human body with different parts working together. And so this idea for Paul, like, hey, I'm a Christian, but I don't want anything to do with church is just as absurd as your hand telling your eye, I don't need you. I don't want to work with you. I don't want to be connected to you. (laughs) Or your eye telling that to your hand. He says in verse 21 here, the eye cannot say to the hand, uh, I don't need you. First of all, because eyes don't talk. I was thinking of that this week. But anyway, I think he's saying a little more than that, though. Uh, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the, ha- uh, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. He's like, that's just ridiculous to think that your body would not want to work together. And, and I mean, look, to say that the church is irrelevant, to say that, no, my faith is my business. It's my own private affair would be kind of like you saying, my marriage is my business. It has nothing to do with my wife. Christian faith is not a private affair. Um, It is something we do together as a blood-bought community. And as ridiculous as an eye telling a hand, I don't need you, no thanks, I got this, is the idea I can be a follower of Christ without the body of Christ. So write this down in your outline. That first bullet point there is this. There is diversity and unity in the church as with the parts of a human body. I am still me in the church. You still have your unique characteristics, but I belong to something bigger. I accept, this is what I want you to do, I accept that it is God's will for me to be an active member of the local church. And there are parts there are hands, there are feet, there are, there are different roles, different functions, different parts in the body of Christ. But thinking that they're somehow going to function independently because they don't get along, that's just silly. Or doctors would say that you have some sort of disease that needs to be treated if your body is doing that. So we need this, I think. We need the church because we were designed to be part of something bigger than ourselves. To escape our, our, our natural proclivity to being small-minded and selfish, we're drawn into something bigger where we are bound together with people who are, yes, a little bit different from us. By the way, I was thinking this morning, I need to do this sermon on the benefits of being part of a church you don't like. Because I really think there's something there about God putting people together who are so different, different ages. Uh, Republicans, Democrats, different at Longhorns and Aggies and Sooners and, and different personalities and different styles. I think there's something there because I don't grow when I'm not challenged, right? I need, to be an envi- I need to be at a place where the temperature is not set exactly how, where, where we don't sing all of the songs that I would pick, where we don't... I mean, I think that's part of the genius, the Holy Spirit genius of church is to put us in a place where we're going to be challenged. Feathers are going to get ruffled a little bit so that we can grow and we can learn about God's love, agape, 
by having to exercise that in a place where we don't always get our own, our, our own way. Does that make sense? Anyway, that's another sermon. We'll save that for another day. But I think we need this. And so we go to the text, verse 13. This is from a translation called The Message. By means of his one spirit, I love this, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots, but then we entered into a large and integrated life in which he, Jesus, has the final say in everything. This is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. And so just as each part of your body has a function, has a role to play, you have all sorts of gifts and talents and experiences and resources to bring to bless the church and the mission of Christ. And no two people in this room are offering the exact same thing. We're all different. And Paul says, that's the way God wants it. We're made to work together. We've been put together by the Spirit of God. And you know, in a body, um, in a human body, if a member, if an appendage, if an organ stops working or says, I'm going to be inactive, that's a very serious illness. And probably a surgeon is going to want to take that out because it's going to harm the rest of the body. And there is, just as there is no, no such thing as an inactive member of the body, there's no, there's no such thing as an inactive member of the church. You either are part of the church or you're not part of the church. There's no choice. See, I'm part of it. I'm just inactive. And so the second bullet point here, there is mutual dependence. We're relying on each other. Mutual dependence in the church, just as with the parts or systems, Paul says, of our bodies. I'm counting on others, and yes, they are counting on me. And so I just put here on the outline, do your job. Do your job. God put you here for a reason. There are ministries that are not going to be done unless you do them. There are people who are not going to be encouraged unless you encourage them. Do your job, your part. And we all have different, different gifts and talents and functions. None are unimportant. Paul is going to make a point of this. Even the smallest, most seemingly insignificant parts of the body are indispensable, are important. Um, Try getting around this week without one of your big toes. I don't want you to cut your big toe off. But, I mean, I don't think it would go well. You wouldn't be jogging. I think you would have difficulty even standing up. Because even that seemingly insignificant hidden part of your body is very important. And verse 22 says this. Those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Reminds me of a lady an old widow lady in Brazil who was, who was an important part of our church there in Rio. She, her health was so bad she couldn't even get out of her apartment to attend our worship services, but she was an important part of the church. Because what she could do, she did. And that's get on her knees and pray Pray for the sick of the church, pray for the leaders of the church, pray for the ministry of the church, pray that God would do his will in our church, pray for the city of Rio. She did that, and I'm convinced it's because of her that the church was, was successful, that we did well. She didn't just, well, I, can't, I don't have anything to offer. 
She knew she had something powerful to offer, and she did. She offered her faith and her prayers in the name of Jesus. And Paul knows this. He knows that we want the spotlights, and he's saying it's not about the spotlight. It's about everybody doing what they were called to do. We don't all have the same gifts and ministries, but we are all part of the same body. And the same spirit lives in us. Check this out. Verses 25 and 26. I love this. Verses 25 and 26. He says, The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention, the parts we don't. The parts we see, the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt. Ever had a toothache? Amen. That's true. And in the healing also, as if one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. Because we're together, we're connected. Third bullet point is this. With this image in mind, there is no room for arrogance. There is no room for self-promotion in the church. Just as it makes no sense to elevate one part of your body over another part of your body, the role of the eye over that of the hand or something like that, every person matters. Every person matters. So I will encourage, I will honor, I will build those around me. I will be who God has made me to be. Someone told me one time, and I kind of liked it, it stuck with me, got my attention at least. They said, you know, the church is kind of like Noah's Ark a little bit. It kind of stinks. But if you get out, you're going to drown. We need each other. And here's the thing, if you're looking for the perfect church, Good luck with that, because the second you become a part of that perfect church, it ain't perfect anymore. You with me? We struggle with sin. We have hang-ups. Some of us are a little difficult sometimes, but we are the redeemed. We are the redeemed of Jesus Christ. He's bought us with His blood. He's washed away our sins. He has put us together. And He is unleashing us in the world to do His kingdom work. And so we together love one another. We together encourage and build up each other. And together we change the world with the help of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And honestly, this, this whole idea this morning, we'll finish up here, this whole idea of being a Christian without the church, it's nothing new. I misled you a little bit. It's an old idea. Over a hundred years ago in Chicago, D.L. Moody was visiting the home of a prominent citizen of Chicago when this topic of church membership came up. And this fellow looked at D.L. Moody and said, I believe I can be just as good a Christian outside the church as inside the church. And it was a cold winter day. D.L. Moody walked over to the fireplace where a warm fire was raging. He grabbed these tongs and he pulled out 
one of the coals, one of the embers that was burning bright, and moved it out onto the hearth. And the two men, the two men just stood and watched as that ember grew black and dark and cold. And the man looked at D.L. Moody and said, I see. We need to stay together. We need to fan the flames of faith together. And I hope you see. I hope you see past the distorted images fueled by materialism, Americanism, individualism, or whatever other ism you choose. And I hope you can see the church for what it is meant to be, a blood-bought family of faith doing life together. Now, we aren't perfect here at Preston Crest. You know that already. No newsflash there. But we are devoted to each other. And we're devoted to the mission that God has given us to reach this mission field of Dallas-Fort Worth. And we're going to do that. Maybe you are looking for a place to belong, a family to be a part of, and we would love to receive you here at Preston Crest as a brother or sister here. Uh, maybe you need to cross that line of faith and put your trust in Jesus for the very first time. And as Paul said, you can do that being baptized into Christ. He will add you to his body, to the church. Let's respond to that as we stand together and worship.